And there was this moment of absolute pure divinity where I said, goodbye, mommy. Uh, like literally like that it, whilst having an uh, orgasm um and it felt like death and birth and rebirth all in one and it was it was utterly divine welcome to season four of the tapping into podcast this is a podcast where we explore different spiritual natural and alternative ways to heal our lives My goal is to help support you in your journey, whatever stage that may be. In this season, we're digging a bit deeper into the emotions and traumas that often kickstart or accelerate our healing journey. We discuss shame, sex, death, burnout, Ayurveda, breathwork, flower essences, rituals, and embodiment, all with a bit of science to back it up at the end really hope you enjoy this season. I just wanted to let you know that in this episode, Emma references childhood sexual trauma. Not in any great detail, but just in case that's a bit too much for you, just wanted to let you know before you start the episode. So please feel free to move on to the next episode if this one isn't for you. Welcome to today's episode of the Tapping Into podcast. Today I'm chatting with Emma Cannon. She is a fertility and women's health expert, registered acupuncturist and founder of the Emma Cannon Clinic. She's a mentor and a speaker. She has been on a journey for the last 25 years, helping couples on the path to parenthood. She bridges the gap between Western medicine and the world of complementary therapies. She combines the best of modern research, treatments and diagnostics with holistic therapies and spiritual practices to give individual results for everyone that comes to see her. She's also the author of five books, including best-selling The Baby Making Bible and her fifth book, Fertile. She has a TED Talk, which I will share in the show notes. And the title is, It's About Time We Valued Being Fertile. I highly recommend. So in today's episode, we go on a journey from conception through to death and all aspects of our journey in between. Emma shares with us about moving to London in the early 90s, how she soaked up Ramdas wisdom in California, moved back to London and started to pave her way in the fertility world where she has just made strides in her own healing in the process. We weave through beliefs and stories, ancestral trauma, to fixing ourselves and the problem with perfection through self-healing and also the power of sex and death. So we weave through beliefs and stories, to ancestral trauma, to fixing ourselves and the problem with perfectionism, through to self-healing and the power of sex and death. Emma's You Are The Medicine Healing Oracle Cards are really, really powerful and I share how I've been using them myself and with clients. She shares how they were co-created with 60 other women on a 12-month healing journey and container that she led and created. Emma also shares with us something not revealed anywhere else yet about how she reached forgiveness and sexual healing through a tantric orgasm following her mum's death and a bad reaction to cancer treatment. 
I really recommend you keep listening to the end of the podcast for a very different take on sexual healing. So check out the show notes for the links to her TED Talk. Follow her on Instagram at Emma L. Cannon and check out her oracle cards. Her website is youarethemedicine.co.uk and complete her archetype quiz. Uh, I did it and I'm wood. I really, really recommend connecting with Emma and I hope you love this chat as much as I did. And thanks again to Emma for being so generous with her time. Enjoy the chat. Emma, welcome to the Tapping Into podcast. I am so excited to talk to you because I feel like today we're going to go on a bit of a journey, the journey of life from pre-life to birth to sex and the exit of and the transition of ourselves out of this existence. Um, thank you for being here. Pleasure. I know I've been excited actually to talk to you. I got, I've got hairless goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best kind, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've been getting them a lot too recently. So we actually met in person January 2020, just before the world went a bit crazy. And we had a few days. God, it was only like 24 hours in Glastonbury together. A friend of ours was, was hosting a bit of a retreat. We met in a house and we all had this amazing sharing circle. And I just noticed about you your unbelievable presence and I've seen it when you speak and in your TED talk as well you have such gravitas and I think people really listen to you but I also feel that you really listen to people you hear beyond what they say um and I just I just think you're amazing for that it's a it's a real gift oh thank you (laughs) thank you we just do what we do. And, uh, you know, I've always tried to be who I was. And, you know, I struggled a lot in my early life because I really didn't fit into a mould. And luckily, I grew up in a family where that was okay, actually. And, um, yeah, and I think that I've just always made my own way. And I haven't always followed a path or I haven't followed any path, to be honest. And yeah, I just, so I'm very, feel very lucky that I've just been able to live a life where I feel I'm, it's authentic. Of course, I've made huge mistakes <laughs> um, and had terrible disasters. <laughs> like us all, yeah. Yeah, like us all. But I think that you can be live a life trying to avoid those things and still have them. So at least I haven't wasted a lot of time trying to avoid disaster. <laughs> And also, you've probably navigated those experiences in an authentic way. I was very fortunate to have a very wonderful father for a very short time. And um, he was a thought pioneer, really. And he, um, yeah, he died when I was 16. And I think he always used to say to me, that we all have a special gift and it's our duty. He was a general in the army, but he did a lot of discipline, but there was also a lot of, there was a lot of very, very advanced, compassionate thinking. He was a very compassionate man and he led his soldiers with compassion and they adored him. And he would say to me, we all have a gift and it's our duty to find it and bring it to the world. And so I just grew up looking at the people and thinking, have they found their gift? You know, have they found their gift? And, you know, it might be the lollipop lady. Or she's found her gift, you know, because she would be kind to the, you know. 
No, I think I always had this very expanded idea about what success was. You know, for me, it was never the money, the city, the thing, the house. You know, I was very slow to all of that. For me, it was more about what is giving you that inner purpose. It's, and it's always been that for me. I don't even know whether that was a question. No, no, it was a brilliant answer because, you know, one of my questions was going to be, you know, I feel that you are, you know, extremely connected to your higher self and to source and to universal messages. And um, I was wondering, was that always there or has that something that's, you know, developed from a, a big trauma? You know, like a lot of like certainly me, my, you know, drop to earth was the loss of Alice. So was that it feels like maybe it's something you've always had that connection. I think it was always my, the authentic self. I think the authentic self got um had a lot of trauma. I had a lot of early trauma, some molestation, my father dying, you know, um, my, my mother denying the thing that had happened to me and, and me learning that I could be sacrificed, uh, that my needs could be sacrificed and then having a very messy time. And then, you know, the, the, the road of healing through that. So I think I was always very sensitive. I mean, apparently I used to sing this song jump up and down with your knickers in the air got a funny feeling everywhere <laughs> so I think I was always quite abundant and full of life and of course that obviously you can't go through life singing that <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I mean and I I could always see you know like I would always mommy said that I would always be in the garden going ah oh, to the flowers you know and like talking to and like having a connection with nature and and fairies and feeling like, you know, and I think what happened is I never felt like I had, had an unhappy childhood, but when the kind of molestation thing happened and then my my mom couldn't cope with that, um, I think then I kind of separated from that authentic self. And then, and then the kind of years of kind of dysfunction wasn't particularly a long time, but it was very dysfunctional for a bit when I first came to London. And luckily I found acupuncture. So that was the first thing that kind of set me on the right path or on a path. Yeah. So did that bring you back to yourself then, the start of that journey, reconnecting? Yeah, I think what happened is the first time someone stuck needles in me, I passed out cold. And she really freaked out and said, I don't really think acupuncture is for you. And on and I left there feeling like some massive shift had taken place um, that had brought me back into alignment. And I spent days crying, but not like those sobbing tears, just tears were just rolling down my face. I'd be in a supermarket and I would just have the tears rolling down my face like this. And it was as if I was able to act the sort of grief that was that I hadn't been able to access when my father died or the the trauma that had been suppressed through the molestation and so I and it took me a long time to even name it as that right because I wasn't raped or anything like that but it was it was definitely a crossing of a boundary over many years and you know I was yeah, I just shifted into a really different place. And it was definitely acupuncture that did that. Well, you know, what led me to acupuncture was a conscious choice to deal with it. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of other things going on, aren't there? Yeah. Um, but that changed my life, as did going to San Francisco and sitting with Ramdas in the 90s. 
incredible i've got shivers now immediately thinking about this so so obviously describe that path and that journey how did you even hear of him at that point oh my god okay so i had been introduced to this woman diane and she was an american and she came over to london and and she introduced me to all of this sort of stuff um, at one stage, I had the guy called Tim Wheater, who's a musician. He did all the whale music. It's quite famous now. He stayed in my flat while he came to the Body, Mind, Spirit Festival. Um, and so I was sort of suddenly all of this world was kind of coming into my world. And in, in the 90s, London was not like that um, at all. And weirdly, I've been approached to, to be a Madonna lookalike. And um, it, it was in her Jean-Paul Gaultier stage where she had sort of pointy boobs and sang like a virgin and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I, I almost signed up to, to this agency, but they kept offering me things like, we want you to nip down the Trocadero Center and run off a video of yourself singing like a virgin. And I was like, what, no choreographers or makeup artists or anything like that? I can't actually sing. <laughs> And then I realized how expensive the wardrobe change would be anyway. And the, the kind of jobs they were offering me were like, go to the, the arcade in Croydon in a spot the lookalike competition. I've never, I've never set foot in an, I don't even think they're called arcades anymore. What are they called? Shopping centers. I've never set foot in a shopping center <laughs> in my life. So I was like, oh, I don't think this is for me. So I said, maybe just give me a call when they make the movie <laughs> and and Diana um invited me to go to San Francisco and she was very into the whole new agey kind of scene there which was really blossoming it, it was sort of the second wave after the 60s because of course it's when the gold war broke out and I arrived in San Francisco on the very day the war the gold war broke out and it was like this huge energetic upsurge of rebellion and anger and and with that comes all of this creative stuff as well so there were healers everywhere you know it was a crazy time and what an amazing time to be in San Francisco because it was such a a poignant part I haven't really talked about this for years it was such a kind of poignant part and I'm very reminded of it now because it now is very similar so it, you know that's just one of life's like right place right time I turn up having decided not to be a Madonna lookalike I turn up in San Francisco the Gulf War's broken out healers pouring out of everywhere because where there's darkness there's light right and so I didn't know who these people were. We used to mainly turn up to them because you got a free glass of something and a sandwich or whatever. And the sandwiches in England at that time in the 90s were very poor. And the sandwiches in California were very good. So I was like, had my eyes on stalks going, wow. You know, everyone was doing multi-level selling and aloe vera. It's when the forever living that had just really come onto the market. I was exposed to all of this stuff that didn't even, wellness didn't even exist in England. At no. So I was there for two or three months deciding what to do with my life. And in that time, I was really lucky to, it's not like I knew who he was or Googled him. I mean, there was no Google. It's only, in, it's only subsequently that I realized what a privilege that was. But I remember sitting in the presence of not just him, other really amazing people, the people that started up the whole, Hoffman process and that you know they 
came from that stable. Um, so these were real authentics that were really pushing the boundaries of mind and medicine and psychedelics. Um, and I was really lucky to be exposed to all of that at a, quite a young age. And listen, I sat in his presence. I, I, I found my notebook the other day. I had written some things down, but I was just like, oh, this is nice, you know, la, la, la. But it's only now that I realize the huge impact it has had on my life. And it's sometimes only when you look back, you know, because, you know, it's like going to a really good party. You don't always go, wow, this is a really good party. <laughs> it's only after that you think, wow, that was a really good party. <laughs> or that point really changed my life. And, and, it, and it's almost like now that I've had time to slow down that I've kind of gone back to all that and thought, wow, that happened, you know? Amazing. Um, I suppose it probably shifted your healing process in the process because you were you were literally embodying the healing path with all these people, soaking up these vibes, the wisdom, um, and the creative energy that you were you were in. And then, how did you then get to fertility? Yeah. So I came back, and I. Um... I think what I wanted to, I don't know why. Oh, yes, I do. I had this session with this amazing woman called Nanette. And she is, um, I guess she was a psychic or, a, you know, anyway, she, she's a very powerful woman. And I had a session with her. And she was like, oh, it's full of challenges. There's going to be a lot of challenges. And she said, but you are a person who can take this spiritual and alternative ideas and you can take them to the mainstream because you are grounded you are believable you're not you know you're not too wacky you're not you know and I guess that's from my army upbringing as well very grounded but also an expanded thinker as well but with a discipline you know because I think there's a real lack of discipline in our industries and you know there's a real unsafety. There's a shadow there as well. And she very firmly said to me, this is your path. And I'm quite obedient person. And I thought, well, I've got nothing else to do. Oh, this is as good as anything. And so I think that that then helped give that all that ex exposure to all that very out there and really expanded stuff. I think it gave me some direction. It was I was given the right message at the right time by someone really wise and her words have never left me. And I'm forever grateful for her and anyone who's given, you know, and these are real, these are real teachers because they're, they're telling you what you need at that time. You know, it's not, and it comes from that, it doesn't come from a clever marketing email or a push chain of email. You know what I mean? It comes yeah. from, the heart and I yeah and I think that uh, and I and in that time you've got to understand we had no internet we had no mobile phones I wasn't bombarded by messages so I think that maybe the messages you did get were much clearer and I really feel for people now and trying to navigate all of the messages because it's too much so she gave me that message I went well this is good a message as anything I'll stick to that and I stuck to it for 20 years you know that was my path 
trying to make build a bridge between the western and the you know alternative and the spiritual and to, to understand how we can navigate with all of the aspects of this earth you know not just go into our separation and you know be, be curious and that that's kind of where i've put my energy and where did you get and how did you get the fertility bit yeah how did i get no well i kind of was a question more about um your the your pre-life beliefs so a what they are and b how did you come to connect with those you know like our our soul's journey yeah so and you did ask me about fertility i think i was primed to be a fertility specialist because i grew up with women five women even though i had this very powerful thought pioneering father um i i grew up in a household of women um, and I have a very good relationship with women. I had two, three older sisters. My two oldest adored me. She took me like a doll, dressed me in beaver clothes, took me to the swimming pool, like absolutely adored me. So I thought women's relationships were so healthy and, you know, and I felt so safe with women. I had no competition. My sisters never competed with me. Um, it was... It was idyllic until the other thing happened. So, so my trust and belief and safety in women is solid, so solid. And that, honestly, that's been the biggest, one of the biggest gifts of my life. So, um, and I think that's what led me to fertility. But I also think that that is a pre-birth thing as well. I probably think I come from a line, a lineage, you know, I feel like I've, you know had many lives with the people that I've connected with like you know you and Katie Jane and other people you know like I feel like we've been in you know work together as women in this field with medicines before um so I feel like that is my lineage it's in my blood you know yeah, so you were kind of just remembering a gift that you already had and the experience and practice you'd already had doing that in, in previous times. I think so, yeah, I think so. And I think at times it has endangered my life as well. Like I, I've had this very clear thing about, you know, jealousy from other women because that's something that I didn't really understand because I, I didn't have it from my sisters. But I think that was maybe there, like that, there was a very strong dynamic and it's really important to me when I work with women that there isn't this power thing and I see it in some practitioners as they put set themselves up as the power and, and that whole guru trap I talked about it on a post today you know and that is very dangerous because that takes the power away from the individual and people only do that when they've been wounded and you know so, you know, one of the painful things that I've had to learn in my life is jealousy because I never wasn't in my wasn't in my box. <laughs> yeah, you're not in your toolkit. No, it wasn't. And I found it really shocking and it would take me ages to understand it and understand what it was. And then someone would very simply say to me, oh, no, they're jealous. And I would be like, oh, why? Why, why, did, why did they not just do them? <laughs> yeah. You know, I never literally never understood that like just do you you know you don't compare yourself with any I, I literally didn't know not compare myself that's amazing because so many of the women I work with are steeped in judgment um and judgment of self is reflected in the judgment of others and 
and and jealousy comparison and now in our internet world it's just it's very hard to avoid especially if you have grown up with that story and that belief and one thing i wanted to talk to you about was around the the our belief system and you mentioned it in your ted talk about you know how important our beliefs are and i work with people with beliefs all the time and so do you um and i'm sure you you listen into people's stories to kind of unearth what is the belief that is potentially holding them back? Um, talk a little bit about belief and fertility and 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 the women you work with. It's um, okay. I mean, we so often put our minds to the lowest vibration, right? We know that, you know, we have got this incredible mind and because of previous trauma and because of belief systems that are formed early in our life, you know, mine was that I could be sacrificed for the sake of the whole, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So for years I thought I was in service, but actually I was in sacrifice. So we all have, mm. right. And our whole life is shaped around them. And it's so fascinating. And this is one of my criticisms with the wellness industry um, and the dark, the shadow side of the wellness industry, because it's put us it's set women on this constant treadmill of perfectionism and the problem with that is when we do everything right particularly in fertility I've changed my diet I've given up all the things that are fun I'm having sex at the right time I'm not drinking I'm not smoking I'm doing my yoga I'm doing my breathing I'm doing everything I'm peeing on the stick and having sex at the right time the problem is is when you do everything right and it doesn't work what you make that belief mean is that there must be something wrong with me or there's something that I haven't done right or that I've missed or that I, you know, there's something wrong. And so often, I mean, I had this really interesting case the other day. She was a nutritional coach. And of course I can't get people now who are like more qualified than me in some areas, or they're, they've really hung on to their, their, what they're, they're working in. And, um, and, and that's, it can become a problem, you know? So she came to me and she had was, the plan was she was going to do three IUIs and then do an IVF, right? So she'd done one IUI and it had failed. She had already in her mind failed the IVF, right? She was already at that stage catastrophized that time was running out, craving, you know, ticking, I'm doing everything right. And I said, okay, well, I want you to make a list of everything that you've made, that you, the meaning that you've attached to the failed IUI. I mean, you have no idea how cool we are to ourselves. I'm failed as a nutritional coach because I should know what to eat to become pregnant. You know, I'm failed as a woman and so on and so forth. I mean, the list was ridiculous. So I said to her, right, you can go through this <laughs> and we're going to cross all of these out. There might be a couple that we need to work through and we'll work through those. I, I use the, the compassionate inquiry technique, often the Gavel Mate technique, which is really beautiful for that. And, and I said, but I want you to write another list of the highest vibration, you know? And so we we made this other list of actually the soul is waiting for me and it's, you know, it's not quite ready. It's waiting, you know, I'm evolving to conceive. I'm not struggling to conceive, you know? So we kind of reframed this list to a higher vibration, which is all very Joe Dispenza and, you know. So, you know, this isn't, this is all out there, this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we're really lucky because we live in a time where we're exposed to a lot of aware. We've awareness <laughs> and support. A lot of rubbish, let's face it. 
a lot of snakeskin and a lot of manipulation. I mean, I think there's a lot of manipulation in selling um, and, um, and, you know, a lot of the guru trappers, I said, like, I am more special than you. If you just I do, then you too could be as special as me. I mean, you know, that's the shadow, right? Um, but we are, uh, there is a lot of good out there as well. So, yeah. Something I wanted to ask you about was this idea that we need to fix ourselves and something that I've struggled with kind of um, putting into words because personally, I have felt like I have needed um, evolution or healing and fixing potentially could, 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 you know, move across some of those those words. I, mean, I suppose it's the language that we're using there. What do you feel about the kind of whole, you know, I'm perfectly imperfect, I'm imperfectly perfect. I totally um, resonate and understand that. But yet I feel there are improvements to make uh, for my uh, happiness. And I have made those improvements and things have uh, changed in my outer world uh, to my benefit. So this term fixing, it feels really negative. So what are your thoughts around that, around the language of, of change, I suppose? Well, at the moment, I'm, and it changes because we're evolving and I'm evolving and we're all at different stages. And I think for, for some people, they might be at the noticing stage where they begin to have an awareness about their actions. And that's early days. And, you know, as you know, when we come into awareness, we can go through a process of grief where we realise all the times we've let ourselves down or we've <laughs> damaged ourselves or, you know, there's quite a lot of pain that comes with I think the stage that I'm in now and the stage that I feel is the best hope for us as, as a planet, as a people, as a consciousness, is this idea of, of, not, of, of the myth of separation. So we're not mm. from each other, that actually we're, it's oneness. And I, and I see that. I don't, I don't see people as broken that need fixing. I feel that we need to connect more with people and we need to connect more with the planet i'm very interested at the moment in actually we have to physically connect back to the planet and for me what that looks like at the moment is i'm taking quite a lot of pilgrimages with an intention of actually connecting with the energy of the, the land uh, i for me, the, I'm loving this idea of reciprocity. There is any system that is healthy, that could be a mother-child system, that could be a, a company, it could be the earth, it could be uh, any, any system, right? any system that is healthy. The energy within it should be reciprocal. So if you don't give too much or take too much, then there's a natural flow that goes on. That's not about fixing, that, that, about creating a natural balance state within a system. But I think that we've become so far removed from that. Apart, you know, the first mistake we made was thinking that we were separate from nature. We're not separate from nature. We are nature. We're part of it. What we do to the planet, we do to ourselves. End of. Don't care what anyone says. Um, and so we've become very far removed from that. So the earth has gone, kind of gone, enough is enough. There's no reciprocity here. I can I can give to a point, but I can't keep on giving because I'm not replenishing. And you know, if you look at that in the mother of daughter mother child analogy, if you look at that within a working system, 
you know, if we're not supporting our, our the people that work, if we're not nourishing, really nourishing the people that work for us, there's no reciprocity there. And also within ourselves, you know, our cells regenerate and heal themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If the environment is healthy. And so, of course, we have now we have all these cancers, we have all this infertility. I mean, I wrote a little poem about this. I'll have to, I'll send it to you to go with the podcast. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's about the fact that, you know, for years it's like, no, 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 your emotions aren't important. No, 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 diet's not important. No, no, you live exactly as you want to live. Don't worry, we'll be here to pick up the pieces when it all goes wrong. That's a bloody big fat lie, you know? And all of our systems are based on that patriarchal kind of, you know, oh, it's okay, we'll look after you. Might It might not be perfect, you know, but... Oh my God, it's, in, it's not sustainable. There's no reciprocity there. You just have to look at the NHS system. I mean, you know. So all of our systems are beginning to crumble. And, and of course, with that comes this lack of safety. And unfortunately, it will probably be the rest. It will probably be our life, you know. But, um, but we have to create the safety within ourselves now. You know. Do you know, um, can I just share something? Because you've sent me your... Um you are the medicine card deck and I have to say I have really really connected with these because every time I pull them they are just so so spot on um I pulled a card for a client this this morning and in her first sentence to me she she had been thinking about what she wanted to work on and she used the word um receive she struggled to receive. And that is the card that I had pulled before she, before she showed up, two minutes, the receiving card. Amazing. And I was literally floored when she opened the session with this um, feeling like she couldn't receive. And so we did a lot of work um, on this. Um, you know, every time she received, she felt she had to, um, she owed a debt back. Um, so would would be um, nervous to receive, anxious to receive in case it came with some form of, you know, um, yeah. a burden for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we did a lot of work on that. And yeah, I just wanted to, to call that out because you have now mentioned uh, receptive, I can't even say the word properly. Reciprocity. Very earth element, the cards. And thank you, because that has, so many people have said that to me. And honestly, it's, when I let them into the world, I'm like, okay, it's up to you to do what you've got to do in the world now. And I really release myself from, you know, having any responsibility. Um, and, um, it, and it's been so beautiful what has come back to me. And, you know, particularly because I didn't send them out with this massive craving that they needed to fulfill something for me. It was really like a mother sending it out into the world. And I, yeah, and I and I and I've been very conscious about them. Only like, you know, my biggest fear is they will go to a bunch of influencers that leave them on the top drawer and never ever look at them. You know what I mean? Like, I want them to go to conscious people who will sleep to them. Yeah, there's there's a powerful vibration from these cards, and um, the one of the first two that I picked was trauma oh. and rejection. And I looked at them and I had them here on my desk beside me for days. And I was just, at night time I went to bed one night and I thought of the rejection card and I thought of every man in my life in, you know, back from early um, teen days, 
even younger actually, primary school. And I lined them all up in front of me and I cut all ties and I kind of um, did a kind of a, I, I forgive you for, for the rejecting me and I understand and all this stuff I was sending to them and it really actually, oh my God, it did. There's been something that I've been working on in the shadow for a while and that has shifted. That need for attention and approval from men in particular has shifted for me and I think it's because I went deeper into that card oh I'm so grateful for you sharing that with me thank you that's real medicine for me as well really it is it's so powerful that one it's a vomiting one isn't it it's actually vomiting it's like rejecting nourishment it's about self-rejection as well obviously yeah I have been changing my diet recently I have tapped away my sugar crate my chocolate cravings so I've had now four or five weeks without chocolate I've shifted my diet I'm feeling so different and I think that's all part of you know what that shadow piece was mm. there's been a real shift to the light there so I've got a load of questions actually about this but how did these cards come to light <laughs> oh my god it's because you've been birthing them for a while haven't it's you? such a story okay so fast track 2020 um i i i have a, a long i have cancer for a long time and so i have regular treatment but in 2020 i really nearly died i nearly crossed over um and i developed this double vision in my eye and i had to close my clinic well, i have, still have two pop-up clinics where people work from and i do zoom work but i had a very very busy clinic in chelsea and i just thought i can't do this anymore i need to do something else I collapsed in a heap literally for six months and I let everything go. The bravest thing I've ever done in my life. It honestly, it was the bravest thing I've ever done. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Not, not be, being no one, nothing having, you know, it was unbelievably difficult. <laughs> and then in the September, 2020, I thought, what am I going to do with this one precious life? What do I, what really matters to me now? And I want to mentor and I want to create this pack of medicine cards. How am I going to do both those things? I have to respect my own health and I've got, you know, I have older children, but I have, I have responsibility as well. And I, it just came to me that I was going to create this mentorship and it was going to be running for a year, which was pretty brave at the time because I had almost died. And I did actually have people saying, do you think she's going to still be there in a year? <laughs> and we were like, if she's not, you get your money back. <laughs> um, well, look at you now, literally look at you now, radiant. So I sort of started this process and I, well, I decided to make it one thing so that the mentorship was a co-creation of the cards. And, and that way it took some of the responsibility off me it was working with a group of women. I was giving them a skill. They were inputting into the cards. They were experiencing the cards. And we split it into five modules. Winter, which is water. Spring, which is wood. Summer, which is fire. Late summer, which is earth. And then autumn, which is metal. And we talked it through that 2021 cycle. 
and modules and it was live sessions and they would get sent the cards which I had done by an artist in Canada and then the the mentorship itself which is actually going to be available to buy as a digital edited version in very soon um that was um we did it for a year and it was honestly the most beautiful experience of my life and not only that because I've written books and it's lovely to write a book and at the end of it you go oh I wrote a book and everyone goes oh congratulations you know and it's nice it's really nice don't get me wrong I'd be very ungrateful not to say that that wasn't yeah it was never as nice as someone falling pregnant mind um um, and but at the end of it I was able to share the joy of these 60 women that had done the process with me and we were all so invested in these cards. So it wasn't just me going, I made these cards, I wrote this book. You know, it was like these women going, I love these cards. That's, you know, that taught, that card taught me so much. That medicine changed my life, you know. She's my medicine woman, you know. I'm an EFT tapping practitioner and trainer. And I work with women all over the world, helping them truly let go so they can shape their own future free of the conditioning and shackles of the past. I've created a Tapping Into Motherhood membership and community where we meet monthly to tap on emotions and issues that are coming up for us. We have monthly full moon meditations with guest host Kelly Day. We enjoy guest speakers and I create a tapping or meditation for the month too. As well as that, you have access to a library of over 100 tapping videos, meditations, resources, courses, and more. And right now the doors are open for just a short period of time. So check out www.tappingformums.com forward slash join dash membership for all the details. And if the doors are closed when you visit, you can join a waitlist. On my website, you can also take my new motherhood self-care toolkit quiz to help you identify which part of your life needs a bit of extra self-care right now. Is it your mind, your emotions, your body or your soul? And if you have any questions, do email me sarah at tappingformoms.com. My friend Emily did your mentorship, Emily Quinton, and I'm actually getting her on to talk about rituals because she has an amazing approach to her day that I can't wait to share with everybody. But she was saying, well, what I told her I pulled, she's part of my um, soul group. I've got like, we've got seven of us. We call ourselves the seven sisters and we're meeting for the first time uh, in June all together for the first time in physical. So we're very excited. But she was saying that at the beginning of working with your cards, she would pull the shadow side more than the light side. And so to, I suppose to encourage me to keep going with them and to maybe keep using the reflections or doing my own like woo-woo stuff that I do in with like like the tie cutting and things um will help me get to more of the lighter side I suppose you know we we reach the light when we need to and we reach into the shadow when we need to for those who aren't um familiar with those terms can you give me your definition of the two just so that people are kind of more familiar with what we're talking about there. 
So the cut, the deck itself is split into five elements. So I'm a very eclectic. So there's lots of different influences in there. But one of them is kind of one of them is a five element acupuncture. So that's the basics. So there's it's there. The cup cards are split into these five elements, which I mentioned earlier. And within each of those elements, there's ten cards. There's five shadow and five light. But what I really wanted to say to you about that, I'll explain what those are. That's Jung therapy. He said that we all have shadow and what we do is we spend most of our lives suppressing our shadows like anger and rage and envy and, you know, comparisons. We all have them. And the more we try and and some of them will be bigger in us than others. So sacrifice was a big one for me. You know, that was a huge one for me, not receiving, not knowing how to receive rejection of self the vomiting kind of bulimic personality where you know you're craving things to fill this void but nothing ever gets filled that's a very big one in modern modern especially with all the instagram around right so those are the kind of shadows so when i talk about the shadow side to the wellness industry there is all this love and light and everything in wellness and that's all great but the shadow side is there it's there in everything we cannot escape the shadow. But when when I, when I you split the cards up and say, oh, I'm just getting all the shadow cards, actually, you know what? All of them, if you know the yin and yang symbol, yeah. where you've got that there's always light within the yes. dark. I see it more like that. You know, so listen, anger has a purpose. You know, right for anger. Change, yeah, can bring change. Yeah. So they, they, none of them are purely shadow, right? Yeah. They're there to protect us. Yes. To, to, you know, to keep us safe. You know, so even the even when we have to look at these dark aspects of ourselves, like there's one really horrible one, like revenge. And I was like, oh, I am not a revengeful person. And then I just sat with it for ages. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember when I said that really snidey, comment to my mother-in-law because I wanted to get revenge for something and I could see all of these times where I had this revenge energy in me you know and you know it's just I think it's like yes you can be really deep and serious with it at times and sometimes that's needed but you know you can be really playful you can be like oh my god yeah I am a bit of a vengeful bitch sometimes (laughs) to bring healing to that and to to say if that's okay that's a part of who I am too and then of course the light is a light yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like the purpose of the cards, um, well, from what I can see, is that you're trying to empower people to heal themselves with a variety of either prompts or visualizations, meditations, um, some guidance um, by looking at a part of ourselves that we have been neglecting and ignoring for possibly a long time. And that part of ourselves was created from trauma right so that the shadow is basically the most wounded part of ourself the part of ourself that needs the most love and compassion and attention and so by addressing that by validating what we've been through brings that healing is that would you agree yeah and you know what that is happening so quickly at the moment i mean for me that's what was happening in lockdown you know i mean listen we can look at lockdown for, in lots of ways but let's look at it in an energetic space yeah it gave us time to actually do this. And if we are going to evolve as a planet, and, and you know, it's, it's been said that viruses come to educate us, you know, to shift us in consciousness and growth. 
stop. You know, maybe it was made in the lab. I don't know. You know, I just tend to be an optimistic person. And I think, you know, even though the fallout of that is difficult, if we are going to be more connected to this planet, if we're going to have a chance of saving this world, we need to become more a bit more sensitive, you know, and a bit more and 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 not repeat those patterns of the past. And you know, and many of them are ancestral, many, many. But you must see in your work, I mean, like people's ability to shift is isn't but people's ability to shift now is much quicker, right? Yes. And uh, but there's a big willingness. People are fed up feeling shit they're like I you know people come to you have tried everything probably prior you know and and it's a lot of the people that come to me have just fed up feeling so crap about themselves they their self-belief is on the floor and motherhood isn't enjoyable because they are running this narrative they're holding themselves in the past and the grief and the trauma and they physically and emotionally don't know how to let go it's like yeah. that we're not taught we're not taught that as a as a, a nation you know we, we naturally come in with the ability to let go and then we somehow learn to hold on yeah, i mean perfectionism is a the, such a curse isn't it trying to get everything right you know is it's just impossible i mean i i've seen that change over you know the, one the time since i had children I, my children are 26 and 21 in a month um and um and it's changed so much the pressures on women is a huge but a lot of that pressure we're putting on ourselves through this drive for perfectionism and through this idea that we're somehow broken and need fixing or we need to I was talking to my friend who's a wedding dress designer at the moment. She's like, my God, you know, women can't just get married in a wedding dress. They've got to look like, it's got to look like, they've got to look like movie stars, like red carpet. You know, it, it's like this huge pressure. It's crazy. But this perfectionism is applied to the skin, isn't it? It's applied to the outside part of us, what is reflecting out. But we're not looking at perfectionism or the evolution of our inner world and our and our, the improvement of our self-talk and the release of an old belief or the release of a dense emotion. So actually, if we, if we could turn that perfectionism into com internal compassion and love, the whole world would shift. I mean, you know, that's, that's my vision, you know. I've, I've already said that when I pass over, I'm not coming back to this planet until until at least medicine is more compassionate and evolved. I'm not coming back to this barbaric system of medicine. It's like the Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned something about ancestral trauma, which I had already intended to ask you about, actually, because I find ancestral trauma coming up every single day with, our, with my clients. And I'm sure you must also find it on the fertility journey. So how is that impacting um, people's ability to conceive and receive and enjoy life? One of the questions that I always ask is, tell me about your mother. And it's, it's very interesting to me that, you know, in the IVF unit, I mean, I actually had an article published the other day talking about this. It's like, it's like the elephant in the room. They never ask people about sex. And they maybe on the form how much sex you're having, but it's like if they if they put zero, it'd be like oh well, never mind, you know, <laughs> come along next in line, 
you know, that question is being completely overlooked. It's just like, oh, well, it's too late for that now. And the other question is, tell me about your mother. I mean, you know, we get so much information and that's just a living ancestor, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, the the energy that we inherit from our um, ancestors is very real, especially along the, if you're talking about fertility, on both lines, actually. Um, and it's not just a DNA thing, you know. I don't know how much you know about epigenetics. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Love that. It's amazing. Yeah. So you know that's beginning to show us. We know that people that pregnant women that witnessed nine eleven that they had anxiety and their children developed anxiety. They followed that, right? They followed the levels of serotonin in their brain. You know, we can we can do clever things like that. Um, so. I mean, God, this is a huge subject, but it, it, you know, I do believe, I really do believe this. And because I've seen it happen in front of me, like when we heal ourselves, and I will tell a little, little short story around this, we heal seven generations before and seven generations into the future. I really believe that. And which this is why I have I hold so much hope in what I what we what I'm doing and the impact of that and I have I've got lots of stories around this but I'll tell you one and one was about this woman who who lived in the shadow of her and the shame of her I think it was her great grandmother who had committed suicide no been put into a, a mental home and committed suicide um, and then through our exploration of her health it turns out that she had had a big problem with her thyroid, which her mother then confirmed that she had. And actually undiagnosed, this can lead to psychosis, it can lead to postnatal psychosis and da-da-da-da-da. So through our explanation and our, our you know, medical knowledge now, we were able to, you know, I said, I put it to her, you know, maybe she didn't, maybe she wasn't crazy. Maybe she had psychosis because she had something wrong with her thyroid and that, that, you know, and that liberated this huge shame and guilt that this family had carried in their line for so long. She told her mother that was very healing. I mean, I have full body shivers again now. It's amazing. Um, I see it all the time too, that when, when someone realizes that what they're feeling, what they're carrying isn't actually theirs, that they are not responsible for that energy or that outcome or their thoughts or the beliefs that they are holding, it's this freedom, this, like you said, liberation. It, and the, it, it lifts from them instantly. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I'm sure it changes your DNA. I mean, when you, when you input, you know, when you go to a source of trauma, you know, and you're in a very meditative, you don't, you know, all of this, you know, open say, I'm going to be an expert after Joe Spencer. <laughs> and you input new information. So we, we'd opened this whole big trauma looking at the, you know, this shame and everything like that. And then we were able to put this new data in, you know, actually she wasn't crazy or mad or psychotic. She wasn't the one that we speak about behind, you know, we could give her compassion and say she never received the help that she needed. I mean, I I can see all the synapses. I can see that lady free, being freed from a prison that she has been suspended in 
through the thoughts of her family you know the shame of her family so I often we do I do something with my clients and they see their their family line the mother line or the father line visibly rejoice by the fact that they are there that they have they have done this process and released these feelings and the ancestors are dancing around absolutely like it's like I feel like sometimes they're waiting for us to do this do you feel like that Mm, yeah and I actually don't think time's linear anyway and you know it's like that's just a construct that we've you know yes I think they're waiting for us to do that I think that's I think that's our role now you know I and I, I will the people that I see now for fertility is so different like 20 years 28 years ago whenever I started it was very much you know, I think drinking a bottle of Chardonnay and eating a packet of Haribo's for dinner after a long day in the city probably doesn't really, you know, constitute a good fertility diet. Yeah. And all people really cared about was what school they were going to send them to and what colour they were going to paint their bedroom because it was all about that programme changing rooms and everything. But that's what people were obsessed with then. You know, people who come to me now, they want to evolve. They know that the, the, the way that they feel out of alignment with their life and they want to nourish their life in a way that they create from a conscious place. It is night and day. Yeah. It's so different. And so there is a willingness for us to do this work. Um, and, and like you say, I do think we're being willed from the other side to do it because I think it's our only hope, you know? Yeah. It, it, and you know, this is, yeah, like you say, this is the time for it. We are the generation to, to break the cycle. We've got all the tools, more modalities than any other generation before us. We have got more light energy, more source energy anchored into individuals in the planet. There's more people like you gridding that into the earth and connecting us back into nature. Um, we, yeah, we have no excuse really. <laughs> And, you know, they never were going to exceed in the 60s because they had they weren't on the shoulders of anyone. Mm. You know, they weren't on the shoulders of giants. Like we're on the shoulders of giants now. And we and this is one of the things that bugs me a lot about Instagram and stuff like that is that people don't attribute. They don't acknowledge how this has come into being. This is not just come into being like now because you've you read a few Instagram posts. This is like being deep work going on with people who have been holding this space on their own, the indigenous people, the medicine people. They have been holding this prayer like on their own. Well, we've been going around trashing the place. Even in the 60s, it wasn't going to work. It went all wrong. All the shadow was there. Mm. You've got all of those mad gurus that murdered. You know, it was crazy. All the drugs and the, it all got mixed up. Yeah. But now we have a chance yeah. because even when I started out, I couldn't say energy. I couldn't, you know, people thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. People didn't think food made any difference, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been a long, hard slog and people, there were very few people holding this space. And the last two years has actually woken a lot more people up to, oh gosh, there is life outside the rat race. You know, the, this awareness, the light bulb went off and everyone who was ready to step up and, and, and say, yeah, there is, come with me, you know, like I'll show you or, you know, you've got the knowledge and this, all you need to do is this. And it's amazing. Um, there's so many things I want to ask you before we finish, but we've already talked for ages. One of the things I wanted to talk about was, I know that you 
connect a lot to Mary Magdalene and I connect a lot to Mary Magdalene. I'm going to go see her place in August this this summer, so I can't wait. Her her church, yeah. Um, so we'll, I'll definitely get some info before I head off on that little pilgrimage. But um, I had something come up the other night um, where I was, I felt I was at the, in the Garden of Eden and not in, as in Eve, but I was a woman there because I was, I was trying to work out why women in particular feel not worthy and I got the message or I, I got the a scene that I that like I I was there and that I saw I saw the downfall of Eve I saw her being worshipped locally you know for who she was at that time and then I saw her fall and I saw her being outcast and shamed and being thrown out and that gave me a sense of fear that nothing is stable that it's you know you can't can't trust um and that women aren't worthy women are women are disrespected and women are outcast um and i was wondering have you connected to the lineage of that belief for women like does it go right back to that time yeah, I mean, and this is why I say to people, you know, there's a lot of people on the internet saying, oh, these are such dark times on the planet. No, there have been much darker times. Than that. Are you joking? You know, w- women, I think, for, I mean, gosh, this is, a, this is a whole thesis, this subject, but, you know, <laughs> you know women have been um, doubted, you know, manipulated for many years because of, I think there was a fear of women's power. And it's, you know, you could say it started with the witches. Wasn't it amazing when the Scottish government, like, forget, you know, like, had made that statement about the witches and, and apologised for, what did you see that? I haven't summer. seen that. Oh, yeah, look it up. The, the Scottish, oh, my politics is so bad. Anyway, who's the Scottish Prime Minister? Anyway, she 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 made a speech about um, apologising to the witches and what happened to the witches and what how, how appalling that was. You know, women being killed for their skill, really, wow. for their magic. And so it became dangerous to be a woman. It became, dang- it became dangerous to have power. I have experienced this in Harley Street, working with some of the very old-fashioned patriarchal systems that exist there. I have, I have felt it like a fear, an old fear in my body. Like, yeah. you're a difficult woman. I'm not a difficult woman. I'm just a woman that speaks her mind. Yeah. You know, I've never could have been, if I, I'm sorry if I'm difficult because I'm, I'm showing you something that is out of authenticity. If that's difficult for you, then I can live with that. Then yeah. I guess I'm a difficult woman. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think for a long time, because I have that confidence in women, because I, and that's yeah. what I'm so grateful for. Um, but I certainly have had lifetimes where that hasn't been the case. I know. Um, you know, Mary Magdalene, she was, they, they painted her as a crazy prostitute. Yeah. And I said to my mother, I've, I've been to see Mary Magdalene. It was the most divine moment of my life. It was when I went, when I entered that cave, I literally fell to my knees and she said to me, I just got this message. You, you remember your divinity remember your divinity honestly I could cry now and and it's like live every day as if it is divine you live every day in your divinity and it was just so clear this message I was so lucky it was after lockdown the French I think they were still in lockdown there was no one there just me and me and this other woman 
And uh, I cried when I got to the top because I never thought I'd be able to make it. I thought I'd be too weak from the chemotherapy and everything. And I came home and I said to my mother, I had this most amazing experience when we with Mary Magdalene. She said, no, Matt, I didn't know. She went off and she told, spoke to her friends. She had this group of very elderly gay friends. And you know, they can be quite bitchy sometimes. <laughs> and they went, well, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. <laughs> so my mum came back to me and she said, well, Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And I said, Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute mother. That is the patriarch that, that tried to, try to suppress her power. And her message, yeah. Yeah, and, and the whole bits have been ripped out of, you know, the Bible that the women. And um, my friend, actually, Laura Beckingham, look her up. She's written this amazing book about the birds landing. And she writes about how at that time, it became dangerous for women's power became dangerous. So they hid their wisdom in the birds. But the birds, the birds are landing again now. Wow. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And women have been really and still goes on to this day, of mm, course. Yeah. 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 Um, so yes, our power, and that's why we think we're broken and need fixing, um, because we've been told that we're broken. Hysterectomy, do you know what that means? A hysterectomy, no. a woman has her womb removed. It means removing the hysteria from a woman. <laughs> I mean, this stuff is so You deep. couldn't even write it. Like, that just seems, you know, farcical, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the whole language. Yeah. You know, the other operations that, that, that were done on black women. Oh, yes. Oh. You know, gynecological experiments were Without home, pain relief. Without any, I mean, yeah. you know, no wonder, you know, women think that they're broken. And, um, and so how do we, how do we clear and override these not just this lifetime belief of I'm not enough or I'm not worthy, but lifetimes of women, like the collective of the female energy believing this stuff. So it feels like it's actually quite a big thing to shift individually. We, we have to challenge and we have to challenge the former generation. I mean, I sat with a woman the other day um, and she's a member of my family, and there were seven women sitting around this table. They're all, they're all, all my kids and, and her daughter's kids. Really intelligent, woke, mixed race kids. My kids aren't mixed race, but four of them are mixed race kids. They're like really bright kids, right? And I, we were just chatting, and I said, um, Oh, what do you think about um, um, who was the health secretary that got caught snogging his? Oh. Um, Cummings or something was it? Cummings, yeah, yeah. Cummings. I said, "What do you think about the whole Cummings affair?" And she said, "Well, what do you expect? That woman was divorced in Italian." And I just went, "I, I just had to call it. I had to call it because I was in this group of women. So, in the most dignified, polite way that I could, I just said, i 'I'm. You're going to have to talk us through that because I don't think any one of us here.'" understands that on any level you know and she just sort of tried to say it but obviously couldn't because it's unjustifiable yeah. I mean it but it was so programmed in her mind yeah. that she'd never questioned it no she didn't question his behavior 
And I was shocked. And I think when you see it, you've got to call it really compassionately, knowing that they didn't, they, yeah. they, you know, they carry that, that wound, you know, the mother wound, you know, the, yeah. you know. and it's like really like with my mum, like I, I said to her, I told, I gave her a book about Mary Magdalene. I told her about Mary Magdalene. My mum was fascinated. She kept asking me about Mary Magdalene. It was so beautiful that I was able to say, no, that's not true, mummy. Women have just been suppressed for years. You not, you know. And I was, and she said, "Yeah, we have really. I mean, it's really interesting, you know." And I was, and it was so lovely the conversation. So you can, you, you we need to call it so awareness questioning. Yeah, curiosity. I'm curious. Why do you say that? You know, or about do- ourselves. Curious, like, why do I believe that? What? Where's the evidence oh, that definitely. I'm not worthy? definitely that but I think we also need to access that generation that have just sat and been brainwashed by the BBC for the last few years because we're losing our wisdom keepers you know yeah so talk to me about um the death aspect of uh leaving this world and um you'd mentioned something to me before about your mom Oh, yeah. So, well, first of all, I definitely nearly passed May 2020. And I, I remember the night. In fact, Chloe, <laughs> you know, Chloe. Yeah, she actually thought she said, I've had a really strange image of you. I found you floating around the, the, the biofields, the, the world, the earth. And she said, I had to get ISIS to pull you back and we had to put a weight on your leg. And I said, well, it's interesting because I really do feel and I remember a night it was like a real dark night of the soul and I I literally said if this is my life then take me now you know and then I spent the entire night feeling so guilty that I'd wished my life away that I just prayed and I'm not not a religious person but I'd never prayed like that and I defy anyone not to pray in their time of absolute you know and you realize how where this comes in you know and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I said if I have a purpose then keep me here I will serve it I promise I will serve it and then then I had to go into collapse and then surrender everything and become nothing which I did for about months and then I, I went to France and for me since that time I feel like I I, with the double vision, I think that I am in both places. I don't think that I'm in one. I feel like I've always had a connection with the other side anyway, priming babies to bring them into the right parents, like lining, making that alignment happen um, in a way that I understand much more now that I have this double vision than I did then. Because what the double vision has done is it's changed my world. So your reality is different. My reality is really different. And and actually, I, 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 I was experiencing that. But then somebody did say to me, they, it was a long story, but they didn't, hadn't even met me. They didn't know who I was. And I was making an appointment for a card reading. And she said, what's wrong with your eye? And I said, oh, do you want me to tell you? She said, yeah, tell me. It's really funky. And I said, well, I have double vision. I had a t- tumor. And she went, no, no, you can see both sides. Um, so she gave my, that such a new meaning for me. A different perspective. Yeah. And then when she'd given me permission to really lean into that, all of these skills that I had that had always been there just flooded in. 
So I began to see imprints on people, you know, like a festival imprints and all of this stuff. I mean, listen, I can't walk through Heathrow <laughs> and I can't drive a car and I can't do a lot of things that are really quite useful. I can't fill out forms on the internet. But I can do all this other funky stuff. Yeah, well, that's a gift, isn't it? That's unique. <laughs> yeah, what was the original question? Oh, and then how do I feel about dying? Mm. Um, I'm okay with dying because I feel like I've practised it. Well, do you know, it reminded me of like the, the true shaman, something they had to die and come back uh-huh. and, yeah. and rebuild. Like Shaman Durek talked about that experience. So he had to literally learn how to walk again. He had to learn how to drink again. You know, he, yeah. he, he did a lot of physical rehabilitation. And the experience, that's what you asked me. So what I would, and I haven't talked about before so this is a first hot of the press <laughs> exclusive then my mummy passed at christmas it was a beautiful passing i've got nothing bad to say about that of course i miss her mm. but i started a new chemotherapy literally the next day and there's a lot of work that i do to prepare to take a new drug into my system and that's fine i can do that i can become one with the medicine i can like you know I come to an agreement with the medicine, like turn it into pure love, whatever, you know, I've got many things I do around that, but it does, there is a, there is a requirement that is out of my control and that is that it is delivered with respect um, and um, just reverence. And on this particular occasion, I was obviously deeply traumatized. My mum had just passed and it was just before Christmas in the the chemo department. They were really short staffed. Everyone was really, it was like an accident and emergency department. And unfortunately, this woman was very low consciousness and she didn't, there was no respect there. And and so I received this medicine into my body and it, it really poison me it really I had a, a bad reaction so I spent Christmas trying to stay out of hospital because hospital was the last place I wanted to be I literally swelled up I mean it's interesting because the drugs made from sea sponge <laughs> and I felt like I absorbed everything probably from that whole unit you know um, and I just swelled up and I thought my god how am I gonna I don't want to go to hospital I could only I could only pass stools if I did an enema. I could only urinate in the bath. You know, my whole system was paralyzed. I wasn't going into hospital. Um, I so I have many tricks, and my sister-in-law's a midwife, so she can, if I needed to, she could have given me a catheter and things right. like that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I was completely on my own and I had my plan. Anyway, I had this really deep instinct that it needed to be unraveled at a trauma level and on a physical level. And I didn't want to put anything else into my system. But anyway, in, in my wisdom, I decided to visit this tantrics um, guy. So I ended up in W6 in this basement. <laughs> Tantric massage. The first time they did, he didn't do anything internal, you know, but he did a lot of three-hour massage I started giggling halfway through I was like I don't even like massage (laughs) (laughs) anyway it was all very respectful and safe and very well done and it wasn't seedy or anything was impeccable in its delivery wow and then I, I went and I was already better after the first one and then on the second time I went he actually did the uni massage to make you come to orgasm and there was this moment of 
absolute pure divinity where I said goodbye mommy uh, uh, like literally like that it, whilst having an uh, orgasm um, and it felt like death and birth and rebirth all in one and it was it was utterly divine wow That's the way I can describe it and I felt our souls released from each other in this really cosmic way did you feel you were able to let her go then like you had been actually holding on to her yeah, yeah. and I couldn't speak you know so I think the trauma of her dying and then the trauma of me having to take that medicine and it not being delivered in a right in the right way had had just all accumulated into this this is very tightly held trauma in my body um and it completely released it um and it just showed me how close sex birth death are all to each other and i think that's one of the problems at the moment with fertility is there's so much frigidity around it do you know i was going to ask you about the sex like have we miss or have we been sold a lie about sex like is there some sacred divine yeah shock horror is there some sacred divine medicine in a sacred union orgasm um or a solo orgasm for example that we are not connected to and i ask this because recently i have been saying affirmations in my head while orgasming oh now i've not shared this with anyone either so another world exclusive (laughs) i mean clearly sex like that's been a long journey for me because i had early damage yes of course like a full circle healing there I mean and that was part of that unraveling as well actually that was within that you know and also because of my mother's denial of that and you know so that that was in there so that's why I knew that it needed to be the sex thing was important the orgasm thing was important and yeah maybe you couldn't let her go because you were still holding some energy resentment or something for that experience from her. I was waiting for something from her that she couldn't give me, but in the end it came anyway. It came through my relief and forgiveness. And the knowing that for her to have gone there would have disrupted her whole, you know, yeah. I mean, we came, I came, that's what it was about, really. That's what it was about. So thank you. That is incredible and beautiful. And I think, I think we all need to be more open to to what an orgasm actually is on an energetic level like sometimes I feel like my soul's like elevating or like that it is a very pure moment of elation or something yeah yeah for sure I mean my my chart anyway I mean I'm practically asexual apparently I mean when anyone looks at my chart I'm so air and everything in Aquarius they're like oh yeah how is sex for you I'm like (laughs) sex oh I can I can astral plane but I'm not you know and it's so funny because I do this work that is so but obviously I need to get close to it because I need to learn it and but you have had an experience that would no a normal level hinder uh sexual enjoyment of course and and that's a very dysfunctional bit when I came to London and I had a lot a lot a lot of sex but it was quite it was very unconscious sex um, so I, I, I've always feared very conscious sex, you know, I've always been like, 
that feels really scary for me. It feels really like, yeah. So that's been a huge journey for me. From this shift from this tantric orgasm, have you has has that shifted something within you and and your sexual energy and yeah I mean it's difficult I'm having like loads of chemotherapy in it and I you know I've been stripped back to like I mean I look okay today but mostly I look like a a, a jelly baby nun a monk <laughs> with not a hair on me um so that whole body you know to be stripped back to your you know, that as well, you know, my appearance, that learning, you know, to be with that. So I definitely love sex, um, but it's been a whole lifetime's exploration for yeah. me. And I'm someone who, ha- who needs periods of time alone. Like I'm going to France next week. And my poor husband, he was booked on the same flight. And I was like, I need I need five days alone, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can go over there. <laughs> So he's coming five days after me bless him and then and then we'll meet but I need that I I've always needed that time um I can be very aloof and cut off and very air and Aquarius and you know like in the planets and I and I need Chloe to bring me back to earth and that. so you know so yeah sex has been a lot it's still a lifelong exploration for me you know yeah. to, like money I've had periods of no money I've had periods of a lot of money you know I had periods of my life with a lot of sex I've had periods of my life without sex yeah yeah and sometimes in healing I think that celibacy or that that not having sex is 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 very powerful because you're you're really working and listen you do get to the point where you have had your children and it's not that sex is not important. I think sex is really nourishing and really good for our health and really good for our immune system and our and our nervous system. But I also think abstinence there's a power within that as well for the mind. Yeah, yeah, and also control. Like, there's if you're in that place, there's nobody wanting it from you. you there's no there's no decision to make. You don't have to say no. You don't have to say yes. It's just pure, maybe. And also, I'm a very all or nothing person. So if I get into a sex phase, you know, it does that kind of, it becomes all about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I went three times to the tantric sky and I was like, okay, that's enough. You know, (laughs) I'm just like, and I, it really helped though. It wasn't amazing. It really, really helped. How were you drawn? How did you know that was what you needed in that moment? That would be the last thing I would think of, I think. (laughs) certain things had happened um mummy had died there was that unresolved business with with the brother-in-law and the he was my brother-in-law right okay yeah and and obviously that to have disrupted that within the family unit would have my father would have killed him my Mm. father was in the army probably would have I think it killed my father anyway because I think he must have unconsciously held that knowing yeah um and he had a heart attack um and um so i i believe that that you know that that unconscious lie that was in there you know he he um what do you call it when you uh, um pedophiles do it when they prime someone groom Groom. he he groomed my mother you know and he abused three of us um and um, yeah, and he grew my mother. My mother was really taken in by him. And so it was, you know, 
I, I don't want to I don't want to downgrade it, but you know, it, it but it went over for a long time, and I had minimized it all my life. Yeah. Before Christmas this year, and a lot of things happened as they do when something is coming up, ready to, to come up. Yep. Not that I haven't done so much work on this. I mean, every session, every you know, it always comes up. I'm like, oh, not that again. <laughs> anyway, um, I I met with this friend from boarding school, and she was I hadn't seen her for 25 years, something like that. And we went to a carol service together because I was a bit like, well, I don't really know whether I want to do a deep one. Let's just go and sing because you know that's what we used to do. So we went to a carol that's service. Nice. But then we did go out for dinner and I was talking about my sister who'd been married to him. And she said, oh, is that the one that abused you? And I said, oh, did you know about that? She said, of course I knew about that. You used to tell me everything. And I said, oh, everything. She went, yeah, it went on for years. You know, and I realized in that moment, I was like, Ugh. like, I knew that to be true, but I had forgotten the the amount I had minimized it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought I talked about it. I even, even confronted him. I said, how did you think you were going to wait? I've done so much around it. Yeah. I was still, I'd still minimized it. So that happened. My mum died. I got a new drug. I couldn't speak. My body yeah. went in. You needed to release it in some way. Yeah. And I knew instinctively it needed to be released in a sexual way because I'd never been able, oh, can I, I can say anything, can't I? I'd never really been comfortable with anyone putting their finger inside me because that's what he used to do. And that was yeah. the kind of level of the, yeah, the, of course, the, the intrusion. Um, and so all my life, I've never been able to do that. And yeah. obviously, in the tantrics that's what they do so it was like a physical unraveling wow it's like this but anyway it's like a physical unraveling of the trauma I've done all the countless talking about it but he physically unraveled it and somehow it just went poof and did he know what he was doing like did he know the background yeah he did yeah amazing yeah he did yeah. I mean, and very vulnerable. That a you know, what a vulnerable job. I mean, you have to sign a lot of paperwork. You know, I I want you to touch me here, here. It was very safely done, um, and um, and you have, you know, it's a very brave thing to do. I didn't want to put anything into. It. I didn't want to take a pill. I want to go and speak to someone, and then the physical reaction and the integration of that healing then how did how did your body respond well it just got it got smaller it just went down um and yeah it, it that was the main thing and I felt absolute peace with my mother I felt absolute peace and forgiveness with my mother I gave her compassion for her having to have held it all this time um for not having the skills to know how to deal with that for yeah. her what it would do to, you know it was a very high chance my father would have killed him and so she was protecting the rest of the family in a way even though you didn't feel at the time protected yeah you know and what it wasn't that I haven't have a good relationship with my mom I did and I, I often said to her you know this happened mummy and I've said to her as an adult this happened and she'll always minimize it or you know um, and find a way around it or change the subject or whatever. So I've always addressed it. It's always, it's not like I've suppressed it and it hasn't 
you know, I've always tried to find a new dialogue to, to, to you know, he, he, he's not in our family anymore, obviously, but he has my father's cloak and sword from the army, which my mother gave him, which is so symbolic to me because a cloak is, you know, your protection and a sword, you know, and, and it's so symbolic to me that he had these in his possession. And I've said so many times, I think I even prayed for it when we went up that hill together in Glastonbury, you know, and I've, I've tried to paint it in different ways. Ask if you can have it back, mummy. I flattered my mother saying we could, you could present it to the Gunners Gallery and made it all about my mum and her mm-hmm. being nothing, nothing, tumbleweed, nothing worked. Wow. You know, and I just was exhausting myself by it. Yeah, you were chasing the resolution, weren't you? Yeah. In the end, I have done lots of ceremonies where the Pope and the sword are handed back. And, you know, and I, and, but the, the ultimate was in the forgiveness and the compassion to my, to my mother and, and the release of that, you know, the, how would it feel just to let go? <laughs> you know? You are an absolute remarkable woman you know just obviously thank you so much for sharing that experience with me and us because i i think it's very um inspired and brave and vulnerable and also a lot of people that might be listening may also have traumas like this i do work with a lot of women with sexual abuse traumas um and have never ever thought of using sex as a healing tool for for letting go so yeah i think if anybody's interested maybe you could give me something i can put in the show notes just a little bit of direction for people if they wanted to to learn more about that yeah i mean and and with me it's always very instinctive and you know what's right for me isn't right for everyone you know, I, but it it felt good, you know, because I had a dysfunctional relationship with sex at a time in my life, you know. Yeah. And, it, yeah, and it, no wonder. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you, you've only had that experience a few months ago. You don't know what you're going to birth next in the world. And maybe it is um, empowering women more sexually or there's some form of sexual healing as part of your journey to take women on as well yeah and I think that really sex really needs to come up back into the fertility story Mm. you know it needs to be prioritized again and sacred you know made sacred yes yeah the divine connection yeah yeah it's really important and and the power in it you know the the empowerment that we can feel when you're connected to that energy that's obviously what the patriarch hasn't wanted us to feel for decades you don't get peeing on sticks do you let's <laughs> you really don't no so it would be nice to claim a bit of that um yeah empowerment back or that creative energy back thank you thank you for the beautiful questions truly oh that you we, an hour and a half of your time i'm honored thank you i literally could keep going so i will stop now but um really really appreciate you coming on and talking to me it's been amazing Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this chat and have had a few light bulb moments. Have a think about what your key takeaways are. Please do subscribe, follow, or leave a rating or a view to help this podcast reach more people. I really, really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out my website to take my quiz and start ramping up your self-care practices www.tappingformums.com